welcome back, everybody. It is that day. It's opening day of 2022 Major League Baseball season. One of my favorite days of every year because, well, my Mets are still in first place on opening day. And I don't get to say that very often uh, throughout the year, usually. So today we're, we're welcoming back Bill Venezia uh, to our podcast. And we're going to spend today talking about a much different topic than we've talked about in previous uh, podcasts, especially our most recent ones. We're shifting to baseball, America's pastime, and going to share our thoughts on some of our, our favorite memories of baseball, maybe some of our expectations for this year, uh, and, and what part baseball has played in American history and our society is our, our topics for today. So welcome back, Bill. Excited for the baseball season? I think uh, with all the horrible things that are going on in the world today, it's nice to take a little respite from that to, to talk about you know, baseball. And, and I have to say that baseball's the first sport that, you know, growing up in the 50s and the 60s that I, I gravitated to. Well, I that's the golden age of baseball. Yeah, I, I became an avid Yankee fan. I, I guess I was influenced a little by my father, who was as much a Joe DiMaggio fan as he was a Yankee fan. But uh, his son basically was a Mickey Mantle fan. And I, and well, I want to relate a- Makes sense, that's that next generation. <laughs> yep, I want to relate a, a story about Mickey Mantle because I was going to be the next Mickey Mantle. <laughs> this short, squatty, fat Italian kid was going to be center field. And I have to say that I would, a lot like Billy Crystal would talk about, you walked like Mantle, he had that <laughs> little limp type of a walk because he had yeah. bad knees. But I, I just thought Mickey Mantle is the ultimate athlete. He was my idol. When I was nine years old, I received a bike from my parents for my ninth birthday. I rode that bike all over Jersey City solely to go to stores, candy stores, to buy baseball <laughs> cards because I wanted Yankee cards. Yeah. So I remember one day I was in a neighborhood foreign to me. I opened up the pack. I had five Mickey Mantles in that. The hello pack. That was, it was like, it was. I collected was, baseball cards growing up. Uh, uh, we had a card shop in my town. Yeah. Dakota, and it was great. Steve's card shop. They're not around anymore. No. Sadly, but. Uh. But I, I basically was with two friends of mine who lived in that neighborhood. Their eyes bulged out of their heads. They were both Yankee fans. I ended up giving them one apiece and I kept the other three. But the first game I ever went to to see the Yankees play was 1964. Yogi Berra was the player manager, mm -hmm. and my friend Robert, uh, his dad, Mr. Dzikowicz, took the two of us to Yankee Stadium for the day when we went to see a doubleheader at the Yankees and the Cleveland Indians. We saw... Um, now the Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland say. Guardians. Weird I imagine say, that. Well, take a while to get used to that one, but... but uh, Mel Stottlemyre was a rookie called up, yep. pitched the first game, won six to four. The second game was Whitey Ford versus a rookie call up from the Cleveland team, Louis Tiant. And Whitey, Louis Tiant Jr. Whitey Ford said, I wanted to pitch the second game. And I, I told I told Stottlemyre I'll pitch the second game because I figured we'd blow them away. He goes, I lost one nothing in that second game. So the beauty of that game was, you know, old Yankee Stadium held 70,000 people. After the game, Mr. Dzikowicz promised us we're going to go down to the Yankee parking lot. They all come through there and we'll be able to get autographs. And during the course of the game, I knocked over three kids to get a foul ball hit by Phil Linz in the upper deck in right field where we were sitting. And uh, I took that ball, I got a pen, and 
every Yankee signed that ball, and we're waiting, and we're waiting for the Mick to come out. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the door, the clubhouse door across the street, and then I saw him. And I can tell you what Mickey Mantle was wearing. He was wearing a houndstooth jacket, <laughs> sport jacket, with a band line he probably bought in Newark, buttoned up to the top collar, a pair of dress cuffed dress pants, and wingtip shoes, and he carried a little duffel bag. And he had this little, he had a puss on his face, and I ran, I bolted from the 50 kids in that parking lot because I wanted them to sign my ball. So I went up to my idol, I had the ball in my hand, I had the pen, I said, Mickey, would you sign my ball? He looked right through me. He didn't say a word. He had a sullen look on his face. He ran, went right through. He parted those 50 kids beyond me like the Red Sea. That's a shame. Got in his car, <laughs> rolled the windows up, and pulled out of that lot. I was devastated. I didn't say a word going home that night, uh, you know, when Mr. DeZickowitz drove us home, because I had a blast up until that point. I was totally dejected. This is a guy that I idolized. Yeah. This is a guy that I drove my bike all over Jersey City to get his baseball card. <laughs> so the next day, I went to, my father uh, was a tailor, and his uh, brother, younger brother Sal was the presser. So I went to Venezia's Cleaners in Jersey City. My <laughs> uncle Sal was a big baseball fan, loved the New York Giants, hated the New York Yankees. Became a Mets fan? Uh, no, he never or did. stuck with the Giants. stuck with the Giants. West. I'll tell you why later. So I, <laughs> I went into him. I told him my sad tale of woe, and my uncle says to me, and he was a typical type of a Jersey City guy. He goes, Get out of here. He goes, let me tell you something about Mickey Mantle. He couldn't carry Willie Mays' jockstrap. <laughs> and to, to boot, he wasn't as good as DiMaggio. So he goes, even though I didn't like DiMaggio. So, you know, it kind of brought, it brought that hero worship to, you know, into, into reality with yeah. me. That baseball players were not meant to be idolized. <laughs> And it was a really valuable lesson because I stayed a Yankee fan, but I was not, I don't think I ever was a Mickey Mantle fan after that, that day. It's funny, that story, I mean, it's not baseball, but it reminds me of my, my dad. Um, we went to the Basketball Hall of Fame when I was growing up, up in Springfield, Massachusetts. And, you know, they have different cardboard cutouts of all the athletes and stuff belonging to them and all. And we came to something of uh, Dr. J, Julius Irving, who was my dad's favorite player when he was uh, growing up. And very similar story that my dad had run into Dr. J somewhere, uh, tried to get his autograph, and Dr. J just flat out ignored him completely, walked away. Wow. And my dad was never a Dr. J fan again after that. <laughs> I, can, I can totally understand that. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 but it was... For a nine-year-old, it was... Yeah, it was, it's, it's funny, you know, listening to you. That we never forget that first game. No, no. <laughs> Such a, a moment. Uh, and you were saying you were influenced to become a Yankee fan, partially by your dad being a Yankee fan. It's funny because my dad and my older brother are diehard Yankee fans, and I'm about as diehard a Met fan as you could possibly find. Yeah. So I, I was the rebel. I was the Met, the, uh, the Met fan in a, a family full of Yankees. Uh, well, it's funny. The, the, I went growing to, up, all my all the relatives when it, we, you know, my birthday's the Fourth of July, so we always had a party. Relatives would come; they would bring gifts because they knew it was my birthday. You and George Steinbrenner. I always got yeah. <laughs> I always got Yankee stuff, and we would have to go to the store and exchange it for Met stuff because they all just assumed, <coughs> with my dad being a Yankee fan, I was you know, my parents are both from the Bronx, so it makes sense that yeah. uh, Yankee, uh, Yankee town. But I was always a Met fan. I was the rebel. Well, it's, it's... And I remember my first game. It was a, my first Met game, at least. 
Rico Bronia, who was not in the oh, yeah, yeah. the uh, the lore of Mets greats of all time, who was the first, ba- base first, first baseman first at the time, okay. ultimately got traded to the Phillies and had more of a career with them. But uh, he hit a home run. He was the first Met I ever saw hit a home run in person. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it was Rico Bronia, even though he's not somebody who's who probably comes to mind very often for, for people, Met fans or Philly fans. I'll never forget the Rico Bronia home run. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I'll I, never forget that we went to my a Met game for my birthday. I think it was 93, 94, somewhere in there. Um, and Jeff Kent made the last out with the bases loaded. And I'll never forgive Jeff Kent for making the last out with the bases loaded with a chance to win the game. He had a little dribbler out in front of the home plate, was thrown out by the catcher or the pitcher, and the game ended. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> so uh, I don't want Jeff Kent in the Hall of Fame because he grounded out to end that game when I was turning five or six years old. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. I, I have met, I went to one opening day at Yankee Stadium. I've never gone to opening day. That's 1996. Oops. <laughs> and uh, I went with a bunch of my friends from Jersey City. I happened to be working up in Morristown. And I took a, a personal day to go to the game. That was Joe Torre's first game. The Yankees were playing the Kansas City Royals. That was in 95? 96. 96. It was 96. After Buck got fired? <laughs> After Buck got fired, and I was almost going to become a Met fan because <laughs> I couldn't believe that Steinbrenner fired Buck. But Because uh, I really did like Buck as yeah. a show. And I like Buck, manager. so I'm happy he's with the Mets now. Oh, I think he's going to do a great job for you. <laughs> but that day was a horrible, horrible day. It snowed and sleeted <laughs> the entire day. Andy Pettit pitched the opening day. <laughs> the Yankees ultimately won 6-4, and the snow just kept coming down. It didn't melt, but it was a horrible day to play baseball. It was a horrible day to watch it because <laughs> it was freezing out. And I remember in the sixth inning going to the restroom and I walked out into the, the lobby, and I went came face-to-face with Rudy Giuliani, his son Andrew, who he was dragging. He was leaving the game in the sixth inning at his security detail. And Andrew was saying, Daddy, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. This is the, the gubernatorial candidate for New York State right now. Yeah. I don't want to go. He's going, come on, come on. So, and Rudy's trying to drag his son, and he won't listen. He's digging his heels in. The security staff come up in back of him and pick him up, and he's screaming, <laughs> crying, cursing, punching him. And basically, that's my fondest memory because I was warm in that causeway outside of where I was sitting. But uh, yeah. oh, I've, I've been to some brutal cold games in, in Queens. I don't know why Shea Stadium, then City Field, is always 20 degrees colder than everywhere well, else in the world. But I it can is. tell you, in, <laughs> ni- in 1996, that day was freezing. I couldn't wait the game um, to end. Fortunately, the Yankees won 6-4, and Pettit did get the win. I mean, that was a bulldog performance. I mean, my, my favorite baseball player of all time, and... Uh, is David Wright. I mean, I know that's not unique to a Met fan, especially of my age, but um, one year MLB did something to pick the face of MLB. It was a whole fan vote that they did, and David Wright wound up winning that thing. And to commemorate that, the Mets offered $5 tickets, because that was his number, he was number five, on April 5th, so right at the beginning of the season. And my now wife and I went to the game. Uh, The day before was 71 degrees. Two days before it was 73 degrees. The day after April 5th was 68 degrees. April 5th was 42 degrees <laughs> and rainy. Yeah. Um, a freezing cold rain, that, you know, that misty rain that just hovers in the air. Uh, awful, brutal game. 
Uh, but that's my, uh, my David Wright uh, fandom experience was going to that game for $5 tickets. Coldest experience I've ever had at a baseball game. But most comfortable experience, coming back to what you said about being in the corridor, was my dad, uh, my dad used to get tickets for Met Games for the luxury box sometimes. One of the vendors that he worked with when he was at Merrill Lynch would sometimes give tickets. Um, and for one of them, it was to the 2001, um, not 2001, 1999 NLCS against the Braves. 15 inning game, was raining all through the extra innings, but we were up there in the luxury box, so we weren't getting rained on. We were getting dessert carts brought in while everybody else was getting rained on. One of, one of the great moments in Mets history, it's the best game I've ever been to, because that's when Robin Ventura hit his Grand Slam single, where he hit a walk-off home run, but they didn't let him round the bases. So such was the celebration, he got stopped in between first and second. But my memory was that the cake cart had just been brought in again when Robin <laughs> Ventura came up and blasted that home run uh, as the rain was falling on everybody else in Shea Stadium that day. Robin Ventura played both for the Yankees. Played for the Yankees also. He's one of those rare ones, yeah. yeah. And was successful for both. He was, yeah. uh, but uh, just another connection. I mean, most famous person I ever came across just walking through the halls was John Franco, the old Mets uh, closer. He was coming out of an elevator as I was going in. And I actually, I didn't get his autograph then, but I later got his autograph because he was coaching, I guess it was one of his kids' teams, and my dad was umpiring the game. And uh, after the game, my dad, you know, diehard Yankee fan, nonetheless ran to his car, got a baseball and a pen, and ran back to the coach who had just coached the game he had umpired and said, my son would kill me if I didn't try to get your autograph. Um, so I got John Franco's oh. autograph. You know, it's, it's funny, that experience in 1964 swore me off autographs. <laughs> I, I happened to be at a game in the late 80s, and I, outside of Yankee Stadium, I was standing there, and all of a sudden, there's this very stately guy with a three-piece suit on. It was Dave Winfield. Hmm. And I like Dave Winfield, uh, uh, even though George Steinbrenner didn't, call yeah. him Mr. May. But uh, I'm standing next to him, and I say to my wife, that's Dave Winfield. <laughs> you know, he, he played right field in the game we just watched, and a very tall, stately yeah, guy, and guy. A, a gentleman. <laughs> and she said, get his autograph. I said, nope. Ever since the, the Mickey Mantle, I never asked for an autograph from anybody. I've never given ever up again. on autographs. Well, uh, it's funny <laughs> because um, another outfielder of that era, Andre Dawson, who's in yeah. the Hall of Fame now. Andre when Dawson. He got, when he got elected to the Hall of Fame, there were all these people saying, oh, what a great guy he was, always so great to the fans. I was in Cooperstown with my family one day. We were in one of the little shops there, you know, one of the baseball memorabilia shops. We were the only ones in the store, me, my dad, my older brother, and in comes this rather large man that my dad immediately recognized. That's Andre Dawson. I mean, I didn't really know who Andre Dawson was at the time. I was like 10 years old. But he said, he's a you know, great old outfielder. I'm gonna go try to get his autograph. He walked over to Andre Dawson. You know, we were literally the only ones there. It's not like there was gonna be some bum rush to Andre Dawson if, we, uh, if he signed an autograph for us. He flat out refused. He said, I don't sign autographs Wow. Um, to my dad. <laughs> With, uh, yeah, that would do it for me. I, uh, I've never, you know, again, I didn't know much about Andre Dawson at the time. That's my, my <laughs> thoughts about Andre Dawson is that he refused to sign an autograph for a dad and his two kids who recognized him in a shop you know, in Cooperstown. So. In, 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 the, in the 60s... Those things stick with you. Of That's course it. they do. 
My, my uncle, like I told you, was a New York Giant fan, and he, he followed them to San Francisco. And one of the reasons he did that was because the, the New York Giants, their farm team was in Jersey City. They played at oh, Roosevelt Stadium. They played at Roosevelt? Yeah. The Jersey, their AAA team, the Jersey City. Roosevelt Stadium, which is yeah. sadly not there anymore. Not there. That's, where that's Jackie just, Robinson played his first professional yeah. game after being signed with the Dodgers. Uh, so the... the the Giants were the Jersey City Giants with the same black and orange mm -hmm. colors. It was easy to get the, the minor league baseball tickets, and my Uncle Sal, who loved baseball, would take me frequently. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we paid more than a few bucks a ticket, and we sat in like what would be considered box seats. That was the same growing up. We vacationed near Scranton every yeah. summer, and we would go to the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Red Barons, which was the yeah. Phillies. Now it's the Yankees, but it was the Phillies farm team at that time. Always very cheap seats, could sit right up front. And, uh, you know, see some great players as they were young. Absolutely. We saw, well, we would specifically go to see the uh, Tidewater Mets team. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, when they came up from Virginia. So we saw a host of future Met players <laughs> there. Uh, but my uncle stayed loyal to them because they kept that farm team in, in Jersey, Jersey City. City. Yeah. You know, sadly, into the 70s. It, it uh, their affiliation with the Giants ended, hmm. uh, and on, they actually formed an affiliation with the Oakland A's of all teams. Now, don't forget, Charlie Finley ran that Oakland A's team from Chicago. Yeah, you know, so it, it was it was cra it wasn't crazy that he put a, hmm. a a minor league team in of all places, Jersey City, New Jersey. But as the the stadium deteriorated, that was a pro stadium, twenty seven thousand seats, and it was used hmm. for football and baseball. Yeah you know, for high school and college. And uh, it, was a, it was a great venue, you know, to watch a baseball game. In fact, I have, um, I had a friend, Andy Darpino, who coached baseball at Hudson Catholic, and he coached football here. Uh, he was in a commercial for Schaefer Beer, and the commercial starred a then almost 50-year-old Willie Mays. Mm -hmm. And Willie Mays, he came to that, that uh, he was supposed to, step up to the plate and hit home runs. Now, uh, Roosevelt Stadium, Jersey City, was 450 to dead yeah, those old ballparks, some of them were gigantic. And the first pitch, <laughs> Dandy told me, the first pitch he had a hit, he put it right over the center field wall. He said, where do you want it? And he proceeded to hit 10 over the center field wall. Andy's job was going to be run to the center field wall, lose your hat <laughs> as the ball sailed over the fence. He said, to shoot this 60-second commercial uh, took, I guess, five hours. <laughs> but Willie Mays never once didn't get the ball over the center field wall. He said it was just amazing. That, that all he did was flip the ball with yeah. the wrist. He had tremendous I know, I know you said you had your childhood fondness for Mickey Mantle, but is Willie Mays the greatest baseball player no. of all time uh, <laughs> as an all-around player? I, I tend to side with my the late Salvanesia, <laughs> Willie Mays was Willie. was the best baseball player of his time. Better than DiMaggio, too. <laughs> I mean, from what I've seen of him, he could do anything, and he did it with such a joy. DiMaggio yeah. did it for money, and he had a sullen look on his face. Yeah. Mantle's career was, you know, for the most part, was stolen by injuries and, yeah, and his lifestyle. So fatalistic you know. also. In fact, I forgive him for that day in 1964 because he was probably tremendously hungover <laughs> and having had to play <laughs> true. at least one or two of those. Uh, one, of, I don't recall if he played both of those games, you know, uh, but uh, I, I still am a Yankee fan and commenting on your Mets, 
I would root for the Mets and as long as they're not playing for the Yankees, and I would love it. I, I generally support the Yankees. For my both both my brothers are Yankees fans. Like I said, my dad was a Yankees fan. Um, so unless they're facing the Mets, I usually am okay pulling for the Yankees. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I in the but 80s, it builds character to be a Mets fan. It takes nothing to be a Yankees fan. Well, I, I kind of <laughs> think that that's uh, yes yes and no because there were some really dry eras starting in the late 60s and up until Steinbrenner bought the team. And then again in the, uh, in the, in the 80s, when, uh, you know, prior to Buck getting there as the manager, the Yankees were terrible. The 80s, though, actually, the Yankees won the most games of any team. It, they didn't win any World Series, but cumulatively throughout the decade, they you know won the most games. You know second in that, in that? I remember looking at that, cumulative, the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> they were always uh, a very, very well, I mean, they had, they had been to a series in the early 80s. That yep. was the tail end of that. All right, awesome. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll come back, and we're going to talk about some of our favorite baseball moments. And then I'm going to grill Bill with uh, some quick-fire baseball trivia here to finish on opening day. So we'll be right back. Stick around for Wigs for Wigs. Back here on opening day 2022 from Major League Baseball. We are back on Wigs for Wigs. It's me, Joe Cook, with Bill Venezia. And we're going to pick up here talking about some of our favorite baseball memories, the moments that made baseball for us in what we, you know, our personal experiences of things we've seen. So you hear the bell ring there. Because, uh, you know, again, we are in the middle of a school day here. But I'm not going to pause and re record that. Favorite baseball memories, there's one that immediately comes to mind for me, personally. I, I, I already talked about Robert Ventura hitting his Grand Slam single, which is one of my favorite memories. But another one has to be Mike Piazza's home run after September 11th, that first professional sporting event in New York City after the September 11th attacks. Look, I was 14 years old when September 11th happened. It's a very formative event in my life, remembering that remembering the feelings that people were feeling that I was feeling in those days after the terrorist attacks. My dad worked in the World Trade Center, not at that point, but when I was younger growing up until the mid-90s, he transferred to Jersey City after the first bombing of the World Trade Center. Mike Piazza hitting that home run against the Braves. against I think it was against Mike Remlinger, if I remember right, to take the lead and ultimately win that first game back in New York City. I still, and this is not an exaggeration, anytime I watch that highlight, I still get chills watching that highlight of Mike Piazza hitting that home run and the crowd erupting in cheers. Um, it's just, it's a moment that I'll never forget. And I still have that emotional reaction to when you know, I see. I, I understand that emotional reaction. And there's one with the Yankees too that I'll talk yes. about too that always oh, remember. I'm gonna talk about mine. It has to do with 9-11. <laughs> the Yankees came back after the Mets. 
and uh, it was in New York, the game, and the president, George That was the one I was Bush, thinking of, too. Was uh, going to throw out the first pitch, and this was to reassure America. This was in the World Series. The Yankees yep. made it to the World Series that year. They're facing the Diamondbacks. So he, he basically went to the mound, and before he did, he, went, he was underneath the stadium <laughs> practicing when Derek Cheetah went up to him, and they said, Mr. President, make sure you put that ball over the – throw a strike, put yeah, that ball over the plate. He said, are you going to throw it from the mound or from the base of the mound? I think I'll throw it from the mound. He said, great idea, just don't bounce it. Don't (laughs) bounce it. If you bounce it, you'll get booed. Yeah. And, you know, with a flak jacket on to protect the President of the United States, he threw a strike. And and I a perfect to, strike. I have to tell you, I I, I felt so so good about that. Uh, I thought that he was a profile in courage during that ordeal. Not only there, but when he stood on that rubble. Yeah. Uh, I I really do. But that tell told all Americans. Yeah. Look, I, I think we have very yeah. different views about George W. Bush, you and yes. I, as a president. But as, um, but at that moment, <laughs> at that moment, you know, he could do no wrong in my book. I also think, too, that um, it, it, I, I was so, even though we lost the 2001 yeah. World Series. Which is a shame. I if there was, was any World Series, I think everybody would have been okay to win. with New York winning. I think even as one. a Met fan, you would be Yeah, I think across saying. the country, I think that was one World Series everybody would have been okay with if the Yankees won. And, and who lost the game? Mariano. <laughs> I mean, big Trump supporter, Mariano Rivera. But I'll leave that part uh, out. But, but, uh, <laughs> But basically, uh, yeah. you know, I thought that the, the co- in the cosmos it was set up for the New York Yankees well, to win the World Series. Well, it seemed that way, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, yes, they were blown out absolutely in that game, too, I think it was, where uh, I think it was 15-2 to two or something. But uh, then they had, came back to Yankee Stadium, walk-off home run against Byung-Yun Kim yep. in Game 3, walk-off home run against Byung-Yun Kim, or it might have not been a home run one of the times, but yeah, he did um, definitely choke. Uh, give coming up back home. against the yes. Diamondbacks closer both games to yep. win, um, and then in that game was a great, a, a phenomenally pitched game, and it was a, an error throwing error by Mariano yeah. and a bloop, a bloop single. Yeah, it was that throwing uh, error was the key. <laughs> yep, that that's what it was. I mean, so it was kind of sad. I thought it should have been in the stars, uh, but um, you know the Yankees have had their share of wins. Uh, not recently, but uh, uh, more hope, recently than my Metsies. Hope, <laughs> hope Springs in 2009 for, for the Yankees. There hasn't been a Mets World Series in my lifetime. Uh, <coughs> 86, well, the Mets won. I was born in 87, so you know, I was <laughs> just a, missed it by that much. I was in what I term an arrogant Yankee fan <laughs> in the 80s because we stunk the Yankees. And the Mets. Again, I contend. I contest that. The, the, mem- <laughs> the Mets were good, and the Mets had swagger. Had swagger. In the 80s. They had swagger in the eighties. So I, I, I'm sad to say this. I was not as enlightened as I am today. <laughs> I would delight in a Met loss more than a Yankee win. <laughs> that is not the case anymore. As I got older, I basically said, "Okay, if the Mets aren't playing the Yankees, I'll, I'll root for the Mets." And I do, and I watch Met games, and I. Totally think that they're well. You know, some. T- I mean, since they brought interleague play in permanently with the Astros moving to the AL, sometimes yep. there's to your advantage to root for the Mets or for me to root for the Yankees. Sure, because they're facing. You know, the Yankees are facing the Braves, or the the yep. Mets are facing the the Red Sox. But as we as, as we, it used to happen, younger listeners out there, yeah, the Astros moving to the AL and interleague play happening all the time is a new thing. Interleague play to begin with. I remember when it started in the mid-90s. Uh, 
The Mets beat the Yankees in the first interleague game between the two of them. Um, shut out pitch by the Mets pitcher that day. You know what? Uh, Dave Malicki. Look, look, <laughs> no, always beat the Yankees. Whenever he pitched against the Yankees. I don't think he had that kind of uh, record against other teams. No, he, he didn't. He was a Yankee killer. He, he really was. There are guys like that. I remember my dad always hating... Um, Ed Sprague was the third baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays, yeah, who had a very mediocre career, but absolutely crushed against the Yankees. <laughs> for my Mets, Joe McEwing, who's now a very successful yeah. Major League yeah. coach, um, was a you know utility backup infielder, but absolutely crushed against Aunt Randy Johnson. He batted like 680 against Randy Johnson in his career. Yeah, Sometimes were, it just happens that way. There were guys that basically <laughs> had other people's numbers. But as we look ahead to this season, I, I, I like what the Mets have done in the offseason. I think that they're going to be fine. Just so snake-bitten with these injuries. My God. Well, I, I think that Scherzer... DeGrom, Scherzer's now got a little thing. Taiwan Walker, our third starter, has a little knee thing already. Really? Oh. I didn't know about Taiwan Walker. It's just... It, he had off-season knee surgery, and now his last spring training start, he left early with a little pain in his knee. It's just... Well, can't escape it, the Mets. I don't, I don't get it. You know what, though? Out of that adversity comes good things, and I think that the Mets are, are built to, to weather that. Yeah, we've I got honestly, some depth, which is a nice change. We yes. haven't had that in recent years. Tyler McGill is filling in today. You know, he's young, but he showed promise last year. Yes. David Peterson, before he got yep. hurt, looked pretty good. We've got a couple other pitchers there that can fill in, but not for two months. For, uh, you know, that well, hurts. I don't think it's going to – well. DeGrom I think is, when yeah. DeGrom comes back, he's going to be fine. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I, I honestly think it's a cautionary tale for DeGrom not to come out throwing 100 miles an hour. Well, yeah. He's definitely going to have it's to It's also interesting that, that he, he announced already he intends to opt out after this year. I wonder if it, he said it's not going to alter it that he's been injured, but I kind of wonder if it might not be the best idea to opt out of $35 million guaranteed for next year. Well, with, you know what, though? Being injured again. I don't know if the Yankees would be in the market to steal David DeGrom. I'm not positive, given the current financial situation. Yeah, they that, seem determined to stay under that yes. Steve Cohen tax threshold. And honestly, if they, oh. signed, if they signed Judge, they're going to give him a lot of money. Yeah, and I don't yeah think his contract's they, coming up, too. So. I don't think they're going to give him, like, you know, if you look at it from DeGrom's point of view, and I have the benefit of looking at it somewhat in an objective way, <laughs> DeGrom is looking at what Scherzer got. Right. Oh, I know. <laughs> he was, I understand it from that business. It's the economics, just, okay. you know. It's the economics of baseball. So what do the, the Mets and Yankees do this year, your prediction? <clears throat> I think the Yankees, um, if everything breaks right, 92 wins. 92? Yeah, that's my prediction. You know, that's probably I think, about where I'd say the Mets. Uh, well, I think, I'd, I'd probably bump it down a little bit now with DeGrom being out. I'm, I'm saying that 88 to 92 win range. I mean, and that should be enough for a playoff spot, which you know, is all I'm hoping for for the Mets. I don't want to jinx it, but my, my prediction for the Mets is about 94. Mm. You know, I think, I, I think they'll do that, and the reason they'll do it is because I think the Mets' offense is going to be much improved. The offense is going to be much better, or it should be, yeah. if people play like their baseball cards, um, which several Mets did not last year. So that, uh, and they added you know, great additions, Escobar, Kana. Uh, yeah. They did a good job, and... Uh, Biggest addition, I think, in my mind, is Buck Showalter. Um, oh, absolutely. You've seen it in spring training. Even with the injuries that have happened and things, there's been none of the typical Mets nonsense stories, the oh, only the Mets type of things. Um, it's been kept under wraps by Buck Showalter being so uh, 
well, having his control over the team. And I think that which we have not had a manager no. like that in years. No, and I and listen. And what about the Yankees and the Mets making a deal last week? Yeah, really. Miguel That's Castro for first time the in twenty years. Reliever. That's happened often. You got to, oh. and you know what? He's he's a decent reliever. Yeah, he's we needed good, it. He's I mean, we got Chase and Treve, another former uh, Yankee, <laughs> as our lefty right yeah, now. So we I think you'll be else. happier with uh, uh. Jolie uh, Rodriguez. Yeah. You know, All right, he, so we're both predicting good things for our Mets and our Yankees. Let's uh, let's end here with a little rapid fire baseball trivia. Let's okay. See how you do. Joe, I've probably forgotten half of what you know. If you have any questions you want to fire my way that you come to mind, okay. you can do that too. All right. Best record on opening day. What franchise holds the best overall winning percentage on opening day in their history? I'm going to say the Mets. It is. It's the Mets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah. Um, All right. The, Met, the Mets are created in 1962, sticking on that theme. How long does it take them to win on opening day? Good question. They win a World Series in 1969. What happens first, winning a World Series or winning on opening day for the Mets? I would say winning on opening day. Just barely. Yeah. 1968. 68. So they lost in 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67. They win in 68. Then they they lost in 69, the year they won the World Series. So they were 1-7 and or whatever that is on opening day by the time they won a World Series. Let me give you an easy one. Okay. <laughs> Where did they play the first two years? The Mets? Yeah. Polo Grounds. Okay. Yeah, the Polo Grounds. A stadium I wish was still around, especially teaching a sports history class and all it in was this built, area. It was built mostly, well, it was built for the I wish Polo Grounds and I wish the Ebbets Field was still around oh, God. to be, oh. you know, a monument to those days of baseball. But well, the form, your former owner of the Mets tried to build a shrine Well, he tried to build Ebbets Field, yeah. I know, because we so much wanted to honor the Dodgers, the Mets. Yeah. I can't... One of my worst, yeah. Fred Wilpon, Mets owner, holding a Tommy Lasorda day at City Field. Because what they all Mets fans want is to honor the guy whose most famous clip is him yelling, boasting, nobody thought we could beat the mighty Mets in 1988 when they had just knocked the Mets out of the playoffs. Yeah, that's the guy we want to honor, Fred Wilpon. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Before Tom Seaver. <laughs> yeah. Um, another connection. And this is... You'll get it right away because what legendary baseball broadcaster who broadcast Dodgers for many, many years lived in my hometown of Pagoda, New Jersey when he was broadcasting Dodgers games in his early career? Broadcasting Dodgers games would have to be, uh, oh, uh, the gentleman from Fordham. Uh, the, the, the form, uh, he's now retired. Yeah, just retired. I can't think of his name. Yeah. The, the Irish gentleman from Fordham. <laughs> yes. Who's, who's, who yeah. basically started... Uh, yeah, the, one of the in, fields in, in my hometown up in, in Pagoda is uh, named there? for him. He lived there briefly when he's calling uh, Vince Scully. Vince Scully. Um, Vince Scully. My dad was on the rec commission uh, and the Pagoda Baseball Organization. They were trying to find somebody notable in, from Pagoda to name a field after. And they found that Vince Scully had lived in town for a little while while he was calling Dodgers games early the in his career. Of and he came, he came and they, you know, they had a whole ceremony to honor him. So we have pictures with, with Vince Scully from that time. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's some career. I mean, and, yeah. and uh, you know. And as a Mets fan, famously called the Bill Buckner ball. Yeah. <laughs> little dribbler up along, little roller up along first. Behind the bag, it gets Drew Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he's had many a call like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, 
It's funny, too. I'll give you six degrees of separation with Bogota, New Jersey. The house that my parents bought, the three family that they lived in, they bought from our cousins, the Ruggiero's, who moved out of Jersey City and moved to Bogota until Route 80 went through their house and they <laughs> yep. were eminent domained out of it. That's right. I've lived my whole life in New Jersey other than my time in North Carolina. <laughs> yep, just sort of like uh, Ebbets Field got eminent domained. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's see. Um, where was the first... Where did... Um, to be fair, I just want to tell you, audience, I didn't tell Bill that we were going to do trivia as part of this episode, so he didn't prepare anything. <laughs> no, I didn't prepare any question, <laughs> uh, trivia questions. Uh, I will say this. The mythical number of 500 home runs to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, what do you think in post-steroid era? Should it be 600 home runs? Should it be 700? What do you 550. Do? What do you do about 550. What do, you do about, what do you do about the, that era? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Well, we have to discuss that another time because we're time, short on okay. time here. That'd be a good one. A 10% increase, 550, I would say. 550. Uh, all right, uh, let's see. The, what else did I... Oh, let's figure in some history. Um, which, which U.S. president allegedly played made professional baseball games under a fake name? And in order to keep his athletic eligibility to play at West Point. The West Point part might give it away. But allegedly played professional baseball under a fake name in Kansas so that he could keep his athletic eligibility as an amateur to go to West Point. I thought you were, gonna, you were hitting me with somebody who went to Yale University. <laughs> oh, no, it's I, not Bush. He was the captain at Yale, Bush I Sr. But. don't know the answer. Dwight Eisenhower. Dwight Eisenhower, big baseball fan. Okay. So life. All right. Allegedly played professional baseball. He always denied it, but that was a story that uh, other people told of him. And I don't doubt it. Could have happened. Um, uh, I'll give you one. What legendary football coach also coached baseball on the high school level? Hey, football coach also coached baseball. Well, just because of where we are and what's up the road on the turnpike, I'm going to guess... Uh, Lombardi. That's it. At St. Uh, Cecilia's in Englewood. Yeah. Oh, by me. Yeah. He, uh, I didn't he, know that. And I think he actually coached basketball also. You know what those Catholic schools are like. He coached yeah. three yeah, sports. He coached, he coached everything. And um, just six degrees of separation about Jersey City, he won a mythical New Jersey state championship in football in 1946 when they beat Jersey City's Lincoln High School 7-6. to six. And my football coach at Hudson Catholic, Willie Gargiulo, God rest his soul, Willie was the, the starting quarterback and <laughs> nose tackle of that 1946 Lincoln High School football team. Willie also coached football here, and he coached baseball here, too. And another point in time, I'll tell you Willie Gargiulo baseball story <laughs> at Hudson Catholic, which was... Uh, uh, we have about a minute. Anyway, let's... Joe, this has been great. It's a nice respite from the current news of the day. And thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you hear it, folks. <laughs> We're out of time. You can hear the bell in the background there. But let's go Mets. Let's, let's go, go Yankees. Yankees for Bill. And let's see how this 2022 season goes. Happy opening day, everybody. Take care. We'll see you next time on Wigs for Wigs. <laughs>